So this is all for you, Pat. So last week, we finished chapter one um, of James talking about God's religion of love. It's not about rules and regulations. It's not about um, rituals and sacrifices. It's all about love, how we love God, how we love each other. And when we see a brother sin, we are to lovingly correct that person but we do that with grace and with mercy as Christ exampled that is how we show that to other people that's how we're supposed to do that so I covered a lot last week and I, I know I did and I kind of was like poof, 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 just kind of pounded on you guys it was it was a lot of good material last week um, and I truly hope that you guys got to think about what I said because we tend to truly hold different standards of, uh, we hold people to different standards than we hold ourselves, right? We, we tend to judge harshly and we tend to give little grace. I, I hope that we learned from James last week and I think upon reflection, James may have given those warnings based on how he treated his own brother, Jesus. Um, you know, he didn't, he didn't really treat him that well. The Bible actually talks about him not believing in him. And he was casting at one point in, in Scripture, it talks about how he was casting wrong judgment on his own brother. And... We, we've all done things that we regret. We've all sinned and we all fall short of the glory of God. But grace is what Christ offered to all of us. And it's what we should, in turn, freely give to other people. And I, I know it's hard. It's, it's hard. But that's literally the definition of a Christian is to be Christ-like, right? So we're supposed to do those things that Christ did. Well, James is going to continue his theme this week, some issues that he sees with the pro, as, as a problem with the church. And this week he's going to address an issue that was very common in Jewish synagogues. Um, he's addressing it so it doesn't go out into the world as Christianity. Remember, these were Christians who had recently converted from Judaism. And they were all being dispersed because they had they were being persecuted by their old own church. So James is specifically writing to these people. And it's basically the, the don't don't bring your old stuff with you. Don't don't bring that because that's we don't want your Judaism reflected to the world as Christianity. So that's why that's why James is writing this section of scripture. So if you could open up to James chapter 2 we're going to be going through verses 1 through 13. Our title today is Bonded by Christ. And our three points that I want you guys to look for are we're separated by sin, we're bonded by Christ, and mercy triumphs. Okay, so let's stand and we're going to read 1 through 13 for Pat. My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith of, in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. 
For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, You, sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, You, stand over there, or sit down at my feet, have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Are not the rich the ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you are called? If you really fulfill the, the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of it all. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery but murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. You may be seated. How many of you guys, this is, this is, I got a, I got a young crowd here, a young crowd. How many of you guys remember the movie The Breakfast Club? Wow, three. This is sad. Okay, this was a movie that was very famous really for its relative plot, okay? It was, it was written... Let me, let me just read the plot to you from... I got this from Wikipedia. On Saturday, March 24th, 1984, long time ago, most of you weren't even created, five students at the fictional Shermer High School report at 7 a.m. for all-day detention. Each student comes from a different clique. Claire Standish, a snobbish beauty. Brian Johnson, a brainiac. Andrew Clark, a wrestler. John Bender, the rebel. And Allison Reynolds, a shy goth. They gather in the school library where assistant principal Richard Vernon instructs them not to talk, move from their seats, or sleep until they're released at 4 p.m. He assigns them a thousand-word essay in which each must describe who you think you are. He leaves, returning only occasionally to check on them. So. There's the cast. There's been a million attempts at recreating a movie similar to The Breakfast Club. But John Hughes, the producer, really gave us a good look at how we tend to separate ourselves into different groups and how we act among the different species. That's what I'm going to call them, species. But in the end, 
the movie shows how we're all really the same. It made us think, and that's one of the reasons that it stands the test of time, because it made us reflect on who we are and how we treat other people. The groups, really, this was, this was kind of put together in the 80s, but the groups are pretty much the same in today's high schools. It's the same groups. It's the same. I, how many, I don't know how many times you guys heard me say this, but human nature doesn't change, right? It's the same stuff. You got the letterman, you got the rep, you get, it's the same people. As adults, we tend to still behave in similar ways, but we tend to differentiate each other with tax brackets or different other social activities that we do. One of the reasons that I fell in love with Wilcox, this little town, is because I didn't really see that separation, that, that cliquish type of behavior. Um, I'm sure it's there, some of, some of it's there to a point, but it's not like it is in, in, in a city like Tucson. And I'm sure um, that there's a more biblical approach in, in Wilcox than there would be in a big town like that. So the word partiality in our text literally means it's, it's translated from the Greek. It literally means favoritism. Okay? We aren't supposed to place importance on people based on looks, wealth, or position. Our worth as Christians has already been established. We were created by God in His image, all of us. So there, this, this is not... A new revelation by James we, we just look back at the law think about let, let me read uh, Leviticus nineteen fifteen says this you shall do no injustice in court you shall not be partial to the poor or defer to the great but in righteousness you shall judge your neighbor so we don't judge people based on their status we don't judge them based on our looks. Our text says that when we do that, we're doing it with evil thoughts. Throw that next page. Yeah. <laughs> we separate people based on our sin of pride. We think we can categorize people into different groups, and we do it based on how we see them, not how God sees them. So I, I don't care what our reasoning is, but putting people in different cliques is it's, it's always demeaning to someone. Do you guys realize that? Why is that? Because, well, we put them at different levels of importance. Um, there's some in this room that I'm sure have been made to feel this way, like they're less worthy than somebody else. The, the reality is, I think that all of us have experienced that at some point in our life. 
And there's always someone out there that thinks they're better than you. That, that's one of the things that, like, in karate, I don't know if they teach that in your dojo that you go to, but in karate, they, they kind of tell you, don't pick a fight with somebody. You don't ever want to start it because you don't know that the other guy don't know more than you. So you can think you're all bad and all, hi-ya, and all that stuff, and then you, you do a hi-ya, and he does a wah and you're done, you know? So you don't ever think, like, you're better than the other guy. There's always somebody out there that's going to look down their nose at you. That's just the reality of life. The Bible clearly says that doing that's a sin. We, we even do it in our church sometimes. Sadly, we'll see that some pastors are willing to overlook certain things by people who will give a lot of money. To the church and I actually saw this happen in a church that I went to years ago we had a really famous guy he used to be a pro baseball player and he just kind of gave the money gave the money to the church and the pastor just kind of went like well he gives a lot of money we should like let him do he got away this guy was in an adulterous affair to the point where he brought his girlfriend to church. All the women just went, yes, it happened. And I'm sitting there going, get him out of here. It was ignored because he donated a lot of money. You guys, some of, some of you guys were raised Catholic. They, they get, I mean, if you give them money for this, they do that, and you just let it go. You just let this kind of sin go. The Bible was written to him the same way that the Bible's written to everyone else. Sin says that we treat him special. The Bible says that he should be dealt with like any other person, right? There's We've, we've talked about this before. There's, there's a church order on how you deal with and disciplining somebody who's, who's doing something. I know it's tough because a lot of times our flesh says that we should do, we should do otherwise, but we truly have to stay impartial as brothers and sisters in Christ. We, we have to treat each other equally. Um, because Christ doesn't treat us differently. Again, what, what is our goal as Christians? It's to be Christ-like. If we want to behave like Christ, then we behave like Christ did. His grace and His mercy was blind. And so should ours be. We have to start seeing people the way that Christ does. You guys realize, think, think of that picture on the left there. Christ is there, God is there washing people's feet. We, we kind of don't see ourselves doing it. Like, ew, those are feet. Ew. We don't see ourselves doing that. The reason we have to see people the way that Christ does, it, it, it's our second point, is it kind of becomes more obvious, it's because we're bonded. We, as a group are all bonded by one thing 
is Christ. There's a unique term here that, that James uses called the royal law. In the, in the original Greek, it's literally translated to mean it was handed down by the king. James is referring to Christ as the king here. Okay? And in our text, it says, what is the royal law? It talks about the royal law being love your neighbor as yourself. We talked last week about the totality of that concept and how it's love the Lord your God, love your neighbor as yourself, and, and love people enough to go tell them about him. Okay, Love is everything in Christianity. It's also the one major thing that bonds us all together. Remember, we are relational people, all of us. Even, I want to say this, even the introverts are relational people. They'll claim they're not, but they are. It's, a, it's the reality of life. God made us all relational. They just accept relational relationships differently than extroverts do. The introverts need relationships too. I'm going to go through this a little bit. According to Child Trends, the leading nonprofit research organization in the United States focused on improving the lives and prospects of children, youth, and their families. Science supports the idea that warmth and affection expressed by parents to their children results in lifelong positive outcomes for those children. Higher self-esteem, improved academic performance, better parent-child communication, and fewer psychological and behavioral problems have been linked to this type of affection. On the other hand, children do not, who do not have affectionate parents tend to have lower self-esteem and to feel more alienated, hostile, aggressive, and antisocial. There's a number of recent studies that highlight the relationship between parent, parental infect, affection and children's happiness and success. Basic. Children need love. Friends, some of us have them. In reality, we have different levels of friends, too. That's kind of a different something that we don't really think about, but it, let me explain this to you, because we, we all have acquaintances, right? We, we have those people that we recognize every once in a while. Hey, man, how's it going? Hey, dude. What's up, brother? Maybe a little. What's happening? One of those things, right? We have those acquaintances, and we, we don't really talk to them, but we kind of know who they are. We, we recognize them. We see them. So then we have what we would call our casual friends. Those that we kind of hang out with occasionally. Most of our friends are in this category. Um, they're, they're good to hang out with them every once in a while, but we don't do too much. We just, you know, every once in a while in passing, we, we do something with them. Um, they're, they're nice and all. We just don't really have that tight bond. Okay. Lastly, we have our close friends. 
Our friends we tell everything to. Our friends we, we trust to share anything with. Um, Wendy and I, we, we call those our shovel-ready friends. Like, I just accidentally killed somebody. Where's the shovel? Come and help me. Okay? So, no questions asked. Just get over here. But we, we, we need those, those close, tight relationships. Um, the reality is, those are the kind of people that they, they know you're good, they know you're bad, <laughs> and they still love you, right? But we don't have a lot of those, because most people, once they hear you're bad, they're like, eh, eh, mm, I don't want nothing to do with that guy, because he does this. The thing is that's amazing to me is when people find out something that you've done in your life or something that you've done that's bad and they shun you, it's literally like, well, I'm shunning you because you've done this bad thing. Because me, I have never sinned against anyone ever. I am perfect. Do you realize that's kind of how we're doing that when we're like, oh, I I can't hang around you because you did this. Look in the mirror, dude. I mean, seriously, you've done it too. You've done worse things. Lastly, in relationships, we have our relationship with Christ. It's supposed to be like that close relationship, but deeper. Because he knows you're good and you're bad. He knows all that stuff. And yet, he still heaped grace upon grace upon you, knowing what a scumbag you are. Sorry just being real, he knew that that's what you were doing. He knew all the bad things that were going to happen. He knew that that was going to happen anyway. And he still loves you. He still heaps grace upon you. He's still merciful with you. The reality is that if you study Scripture, you're going to find that you're supposed to be in those deep, honest relationships with people. Why? Because we all have the same common bond in Christ. We love people fully and completely because that's how Christ loved us. Again, do we want to be Christians? We don't show partiality because Christ didn't. We don't categorize because he died for everyone. When you categorize, you're basically saying, well, you're good. I'm good with Christ, but you're not really good enough to be in that place where I'm at. That's just wrong. That's sin. We're supposed to show that love because that's what binds us together as Christians. It's not about cliques or status or the appearances. It's all about the bond that we have as brothers and sisters in Christ. The sacrificial love, the the non-judgmental love, the forgiving love, the graceful love, the compassionate and the merciful love. These are the attributes of love that we see exhibited by Christ. And as Christians, 
They are the attributes that we need to exhibit to others. Like children, us as as adults, we all thrive and flourish when we receive love, even the introverts. Because love is what gives people value. And I understand, trust me, I understand that there are people out there who are hard to love. I get it. I'm probably one of them. But we have to look at them even more so the way that Christ did and love them more. Because James, James says here that we don't want to blaspheme the name by which we are called. If you are called a Christian, you have to act in a way that is Christ-like. And love covers everything. If you do everything in love for others, the amazing thing is you're going to find that you receive great joy in that. It's kind of like at Christmas time, everybody's, oh, it's better to give than receive. A lot of people go, no, I like it. But it is. It's better to see you bringing joy to other people than it is to get it yourself. We, we have to deepen those friendships and closen those encounters that we have with people. We have to give more of ourselves. And I know, I, guys, I understand the introverts are going like, you guys are all going insane inside. Like, no, I'm not going outside of my comfort zone. But the reason for that is, quite frankly, you guys see people as things to avoid. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe maybe at some point you've been hurt by somebody maybe maybe you just like silence um but but introverts you you have to step out in faith there's truly there truly is so much joy in relationships if you're viewing people through God's eyes if you're looking at them and saying God created these people. Yeah, they're going to mess up. They're going to do things. It it happens. Everyone does. But we we have to step out in faith because the, the last point is that mercy triumphs everything. We we all know we all know that we can't fulfill the law, right? Does anybody in here think they can? Besides Josh? Anybody? We have to also know that we try to be legalistic on certain points. We place ourselves in a position of being able to be judged on all those others when we do that. Do you guys realize that? That's what our text is talking about today. You can't, this, this one, listen carefully. You can't 
pick and choose your legality. Do you know what I'm saying? Do you guys understand what I'm saying here? As the text says, if God says don't commit murder and don't commit adultery, if you commit one, it's still a transgression. It doesn't matter. It's, as we've been talking about recently, we as Christians tend to like put different levels to our sin. Like, well, that's a good sin. That's not, that's, it's, I mean, it's not a good sin, but it's not as bad as that sin. But they're all equal to God. Every sin is equal to God. James says, we are to speak and act as though we are under the law of liberty. And I want you to think again about the setting and the audience to whom he's speaking. Because these people were on the run because of religious persecution. Okay? These were people who were also recent converts from Judaism to Christianity and had lived their entire lives under the law. So do you think that probably some old patterns of criticism and judgment were coming from them? So James feels like right now, chapter 2, he's going to address this a little bit. And we also know from other books when we were reading in Acts and some in 1 Corinthians that there was also this other teaching that was floating around that, oh yeah, 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 no, 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 it's fine. You can be little Christians, but you still have to obey the law. You still are under Moses. You, you still need to do all of those things. So were some of these people caught up in some of that still? I'm sure there was. So was there some out there that were feeling out how many rules they really needed to obey and how many they could kind of get away with not obeying because of this whole liberty thing? This was new to them. Possibly, that was what was going through their minds. Something I would like you to think about because I see this happening a lot in the church, the church, the, the, the church as a whole. And actually, it's typically one way or the other. And we need to see really where we're at on this spectrum. Okay? We see the mainstream churches of today have taken liberties like way too far. What do I mean by that? Well, when your church structure gets to a point where you openly condone sin as okay because they want to be relevant to a culture, that's taking your liberty way too far. So we have liberty, but our liberty does not extend to ignoring God and His Word for our own desires. So I, I, could, I could pack this church, literally pack this church. The easiest way to do it is compromise on everything and don't say anything truthful. People come in here all the time. Yeah, yeah, preach. 
Because you ain't saying nothing. We cannot, we cannot claim Christ and ignore His words. Abortion, homosexuality, love of money, gossip, fame. Th these are all seemingly okay in larger church circles. We cannot have a freedom to disobey God as Christians. It's literally a contradiction in terms. You cannot be Christ-like and ignore what Christ says. It's, it's not possible. We have liberty. What we do not have is license. So the flip side of that is legalism. And I've seen this a lot. And I, I, I actually understand the legalism part. I really do. Because when we have a set of rules to follow, when, when we have things that, that make us feel safe, it's easier to just kind of fall in line. Because now, now you have a barometer, you have a gauge on if I'm doing good things because I'm following all these rules, right? And is there anybody in here a rule follower? No? Nobody? Really? Oh, Kate is. Kate's a rule follower. Well, I know you are. <laughs> um, the let me ask you guys, this rule followers. You ever broken a rule? Okay. So, here we go. <laughs> See, think about this. God laid out 613 rules. Then, I have to tell you guys, Jerusalem probably sounded like a bull in a china shop breaking all them rules. Because, I mean, they broke them all. So you know what happened? Then the rabbis came in and said, hey, let me throw on a thousand or so more rules to make those sure you don't break those rules, to do the rule thing, because you guys are rule followers, right? We want to. We try to, but we can't. We can't follow the law. So what do we do? And here's something I want you people who are the rule followers to think about, because this is important. What we tend to do as rule followers is we tend to pick out the ones, even non-rule followers, actually just people in general, we pick out the rules we think are important. And we try very hard to adhere to those rules. Again, different sin levels. You're just categorizing them differently. Even with all them rules, they still couldn't follow them. God sent his son, narrowed it down to three. And you know what? Then he gave us this one royal law, which James is talking about. And we stink at that one. There's one. We can't even do that one good. The reality is, is when we love somebody, we don't murder them, right? Anybody in here committed murder? No? Yeah? When? I know you have. Yeah. Jesus says if you do it in your heart, you know, it's still considered murder. 
When we, when we love people, we're kind and we're generous with them. We're not boastful. Because we love them as ourselves. There's an amazing thing that happens when we exhibit love more than anything. You know what that is? The legalism goes away. Because we're not seeing people through rules. We're seeing them through love. When we when we're not looking through that lens of the law and what's right and what's wrong, we have the ability to see them through Christ's eyes and understand that we all make mistakes. So how does how does how do how do we get around all this? Well, the reality is is that mercy triumphs over everything. In order to love, we have to have mercy and be able to exhibit grace. We have to. I'm going to shock you guys, not the introverts, but everybody else. I'm going to shock you guys. People will offend you in life. That's, it happens. It's, I always talk, I, we always talk to my kids about this. Just because somebody throws down an offense doesn't mean you got to pick it up. We have to stop being so offended by everybody. Because people, people will see things that you do wrong. And, and you know what? I, I see things people do wrong all the time. I, I literally don't have time to sit there and go, uh-huh, mm-hmm, uh-huh, yeah, you over there, uh-huh, I saw that, saw that one, uh-huh. What, what kind of life would that be? So literally, we kind of just narrow them down to where I'm just offended by that little thing, or I'm offended by that little thing, and, I'm, it, and that's, that stinks too. Because literally, we're, we're like taking out our, our, our man-made measuring stick. And, and we set it up next to people all the time. Do, do they measure up to what we think they should be doing? Notice, I'm not talking about what God says. No, because we don't do that. It's our opinion on what people should be doing, not God's. God's already given them grace. We don't. It amazes me sometimes what people will find to be their hill to die on. It's like this ant hill. They're, they're willing to die on that thing. Over, over something stupid, sorry. It is. In a lot of cases, it, it's something out there. And you know what? I'm, I'm going to say this right now. The vast majority of the junk that we find important is man-centered junk. It's our own made-up version of what we think God's Word says. That's just the reality of how we deal with people. And it's not Christ-like. So, back to the breakfast club, because that's where we're going.
in the end of the movie, go, hey, next slide, come on. In the end of the movie, all these people were friends. They were like best friends. Completely different people, different perspectives, different ways that they looked at life entirely. But they all had one common goal that united them. They had to be willing to do something, though. They had to be willing to show grace and mercy to others. They had to be willing to put their pride, in, especially that one and that one. They had to be willing to put their pride and their egos down for their common goal. Now, their common goal was to get around the principle and do all this bad stuff that they were doing, but it brought them together. They could have stuck to their legalistic guns and my way or the highway attitude. They would have walked out of that detention five individual persons still stuck on themselves and still doing what they were doing. No growth, no friends, no nothing. But they were willing to get through all that by showing grace and mercy to, to the other people who were different around them. So, are you... Are you willing to do that? Let me end with this. If you stopped and thought about it, the vast majority of the things that we judge people on are preferences. They're not sin. People do things differently than you do. Um... We give them grace. <gasps> you might be the one who's wrong. I, I know. It's probably shocks out of Josh. I know. I know. I shocked Josh. But you may be the one that's wrong. Christianity, guys, is not about right or wrong. Christianity is about grace. And it's about mercy. It's about loving others enough to show them that we care. We can all act high and mighty because we've, we've all been there. We've all done something that we're shameful of. Something that we did that was wrong or sinful mercy triumphs all of those things because it's an ultimate expression of love for others. We, we have to be willing to forgive. We have to be willing to look past people's imperfections because is there, is there anyone in here who's perfect? 
No? All right, good. Just checking. So, God's grace and mercy is what he poured out on the cross. And he expects his followers to do the same because we're all bonded in that work on the cross. It's what the entire gospel is about. So we, we can't sit in church. I, I, I'm, I'm guilty of it. I've done it. I've sat in church before and been like, huh, can't believe that person wore that. Unbelievable. That's inappropriate. In church, I'm doing that. So I, I, we all do it. It's like I was telling you guys last week about the kid with the pimp, you know, the, the, the kids in, in high school, and they always think like, oh, I got this zit. Everybody's going to notice. Everybody, my hair. I don't like my hair. And it's all about us. And they don't care. They're not even looking. But we get so worked up about what other people think. We just have to love each other, show grace, show mercy. That's it. That's what Christianity is all about. Let's stand up. We'll pray. Everybody's like, yeah, he's done beating on us now. Woohoo! Lord, we just do. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace and your mercy that you poured out on us. Without that, Lord, we don't have, we don't have hope. Because we'd still be living in sin. We'd still be living in condemnation. We'd still be living under the law, Lord. And we just thank you that you've freed us from that bondage. And I just ask, Lord, that you would not let us put ourselves back under bondage by, by holding up to these rules and regulations that we made for ourselves. I ask you to free us from that and to help us to just understand and help us to see other people the way that you see us. It's so difficult sometimes, Lord, because we are sinful, we are flesh, we are we we aren't right. But you came to make us right, Lord, and we just ask that you would help us to see others that way, the way that you saw us and we're willing to give yourself as a sacrifice. just to, to cleanse us of all this nonsense that we, we continue to keep doing, Lord. I pray that you would just help us to understand your love and how to show it to others. And I just thank you for your, for your teaching today, Lord, for your word and for James' explanation and how, how we can get through that and see other people through your eyes. And I just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I need two.